Breeders' Cup win and you're in action continues across the country this weekend with 14 Breeders' Cup win and you're in races. Keeneland's got nine of them from uh, Friday, today as we're recording this, through Sunday. Uh, two more from Aqueduct on Saturday and Sunday. And finally, three from Santa Anita on Saturday. There will be coverage all weekend long on FanDuel TV with special coverage on Saturday on CNBC and Fox Sports 2. Don't miss it. All winning your in winners will receive also entry fees paid by Breeders' Cup, a $10,000 award to the nominator, and a $10,000 travel allowance for horses stabled outside of Kentucky. To learn more, go to breederscup.com. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again. This is our show for Keeneland, opening weekend. We are recording it on Friday, October 7th. We're talking about races for October 8th. We're going to get to Keeneland a little bit later in the show. Oh, I should make this note. If you're watching on YouTube, we're doing something a little bit different. We're just going to be doing one featured piece a week on YouTube. We're going to see how this works. But there's going to be a ton more content if you go over to the podcast side, wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out um, in the money media. You can subscribe to our house feed, get it there. Uh, you can also find the shows over at in the money So on the bigger show, we're going to be covering the all stakes, Keeneland late pick five and all this other uh, fun kind of stuff like that. Our friends at Woodbine, friends at Meadowlands, uh, tons of good stuff on this week's show. But on this segment, we bring in a man who I like to describe as the usual co-host of this program. Maybe not so usual anymore, but frequent co-host of this program. Somebody we always love to hear from. You know him from the Fox America's Day at the Races broadcast. You know him from his uh, fantastic line of, uh, of men's clothing. He does with our friends at Old Smoke. He is Jonathan Kenshin coming to us from the planet Texas once again. How are things? It, it feels like fall is upon us uh, with uh, uh, this, this annoying pumpkin craze that we, we see very often out in the streets, but also Keeneland starting. So I'm getting dirty looks about the pumpkin comment. Yeah, I mean, pumpkins are great. I thought you were going to make a pumpkin spice latte comment. I was going to have some sympathy for being negative about that. But I mean, pumpkins are great. What's what do you got against pumpkins? Yeah. Uh, they're about good. They're only good for one thing. The, the plastic ones for carrying candy. And then the ones you cut out and put a candle inside of them. <laughs> I would, we, we did have that brilliant. Was it Lou who did that? who we met in Saratoga, who I think you ended up giving your table to one day, who did the in the money logo pumpkin. We got to dig that up. That was, that yeah, was fabulous. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. Great stuff. All right. We're here lean and mean today as the schedule dictates to talk about the pick six at Belmont at the big a on this Saturday card. There's a theoretical world in which it could be a three-day carryover. It's a two-day carryover going into today, Friday. Apologies for not getting a show up on that one, people. Uh, the off-the-turf thing just scuttled it. I had done the races for turf. Matt Bagvolji had done the races for turf. With off-turf, you really need the scratches to do the kind of job we want to do. Anyway, we weren't able to do that. Apologies. We like to do those carryover shows. Very unlikely this will be a triple carryover. But, hey, you never know. It is horse racing. But in any case, I can guarantee you that the pick six will be kicking off with uh, stakes action in – the uh, in the grade three matron is it the matron is that what starts this off of course it is I'm now, yeah, yeah. I'm now lost in my notes jk we're going to bring you in to uh to get your to get your thoughts on this race we've got these two-year-old fillies they're going six furlongs on the turf and we've got a giant full field are there any um 
Are there any any particular horses that uh, that leap out to you in this spot? Yeah, I mean, there's only like four that are kind of interesting to me. And the thing about this race is it's at six furlongs. They obviously, most of them have run uh, previously at five and a half at Saratoga. So there's that opportunity for them to either like it or dislike it. Uh, you know, I'll just kind of quickly roll through it. The inside horse, the one don't look back at all. Uh, ran well, closing into a slow pace after kind of starting a little bit further back, kind of made a big middle move in that race uh, that might suggest that a little bit of added ground shouldn't be a problem. The two, Dance Macabre, uh, just has three fast figures that fit with this group, has gone a little bit further down at Kentucky Downs, so you'd like to think uh, that the distance won't be an issue there. The seven, Redefined, ran a fast number after breaking slow, missing two lengths early, should appreciate a little bit of added ground. you got to think that figure could have been faster with a cleaner break. And the nine, Sweet Lou's got aces. Uh, a horse that I remember talking to Ray Handel that day, and Ray had mentioned, I think this horse might need one. And whenever they tell you they might need one, and then they almost win, I love when they come back next time around. To You, you can expect them to run a little bit better. So uh, one, two, seven, and nine uh, are the numbers I'm going to make sure I have. We're very similar. My top pick, I went with Redefine, making good ground late in the Bolton Landing. And I thought that uh, she ought to be suited by today's added ground. You mentioned Dance Macabre, too, who beat her there. Came back to win again at Kentucky Downs. Plenty of stamina mixed with speed. I love that combo for this uh, sixth furlong turf sprint. I like her chance in here. One one that I'll mention that should be, I hope, a big price. Yeah, 12 to 1 on the morning line for number six, Determined Gesture. I'm not sure how that Colonial Downs form is going to stack up against these, but I just thought that was a good race. Two and seven for me. Actually, I'll, I'll put them in order. Seven and two as A's. And that, the reason the seven over the two is just, I think, because the seven will be a significantly bigger price. And then the six on the backup line. JK, looking to start things off a little spready, going one, two, seven, and nine. Race number seven is an allowance race with a six-pack going forward, going six furlongs. And I like number two, Catch You Soon in here, who I thought had a possible pace edge. Looked to be a flow upgrade coming out of the last race, attracting Manny Franco, who I really like in sprint spots like this. I did also want to give some count, if things are unexpectedly hot up front, to number four, Ryan's Cat. I'll make more of a B. Not sure why this horse was so far back last time, but very interesting off that run three races back. It was just enough to want to include Ryan's Cat for me at a price, but most of my action is going to go through number two, Catch You Soon. How did you see it, Jonathan? Yeah, I'm going to use Catchy soon. I'm a sucker for speed, especially going six furlongs. The five life changer I thought ran well last time. If there happens to be kind of a uh, someone not going to the front or if, if, if two Catchy soon is not good enough to make the lead, I think life changer is one of those horses that could possibly get out to the front end and take advantage of that. And then the six ship sensational is a horse I've always thought was really talented, uh, at least for this class, this, this New York bred uh, class. And, and he just feels like the type drawn outside in the clear, been facing stakes company, gets Lasix for the first time, could come rolling late, while the rest of them, who I feel are a little bit questionable, could be getting a little bit uh, tired late. How would you grade the two, five, and six, like into A's and B's, or is this another use them equally, get through it kind of deal? Yeah, I'm going to use them equally and get through this leg. Okay, fair enough. Grade one action in the Joe Hirsch Turf Classic in race number eight. We're going a mile and a half for this one. Um, kicks off at 420 Eastern. We've got a field of seven, and we've got some big names in this spot. We've got Gufo back for more. We've got Warlike Goddess, and I'm just going to dive in with my opinion here. And and maybe I'm being stubborn, but, uh, I mean, I was well um, on record about my feelings about the ride the last day with Warlike Goddess. And it's not like she has some tremendous figure edge, against this field that's why maybe i say i'm being stubborn because this horse will be a favorite 
and there's horses with similar figures, but I'm just going with her. I just think that she'll be ridden just a little bit more aggressively in this spot. I, I think Lescano fits her well, and I just think she's a lot better than what we saw the last day. I'm expecting a big run from Warlike Goddess. I think he showed some confidence leaving her at home against the boys instead of going up to face her own sex in the EP Taylor. I'm all about Warlike Goddess in this spot, JK, and uh, I'm, I'm going to live and die in the sequence with her. Do you share my enthusiasm? No, I'm kind of annoyed, too, to be honest. I wish she wasn't running in this spot. Um because I, I don't see a ton of – I don't see a day-making, month-making, year-making opportunity beating her on Saturday. Um, I do see that opportunity if she were to to win this race and, and then go on to the to the turf, uh, the Breeders' Cup turf, and I think you could then pick up that money there when she becomes this overbet U.S. favorite because there's a story everyone wants to follow. I, I, I think she's really good and unbeatable against the bad bunch of female turf horses that she's been facing which is why what happened in the flower bowl was so disgusting because she was never supposed to lose that race. And, 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 and she's never going to lose to those types of horses. However, when it comes to like facing these horses, she can absolutely get beat. And I think Gufo will beat her in this race. And it stinks because I want to beat her later. I don't want to beat her here. I want to beat her later. Uh, I'll single her if she runs against the Phillies and the mares with real pace in front of her. And, and, and not having to be kind of rank and naughty the entire race. Like as brilliant as she is, she's not easy to ride. She's not uh, a push button horse. She fights the rider all the way around there. And, and you get one of those Joel rides with a horse like this, you're going to end up in a situation. We all ended up with the flower bowl that you singled her. I, I just, I think she's going to get beaten here. I think Gufo's going to beat her. I think she's going to invite Gufo into the race. And when you do that, he's not these other horses you've been favored. You've been facing. He's better than those horses. And, and I think Gufo will beat her in here and, and suck a little value out of trying to beat her on Breeders' Cup Day. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think it's a, such a different narrative. If she wins this easy, she goes there and they're taking her very seriously. If she loses to Gufo here, and Gufo is the fifth choice in the turf, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not picking up the takeout. You're not even getting close. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a good point. We'll we'll see. I mean, everything you say is right. I'm being a little stubborn. I'm going with Warlike Goddess. We'll go head to head here. Um, any other numbers you need, or just all about Gufo? No, I mean, I think the way you play this race is you try to beat her or you single her. And I'm not saying she can't win. I'm just saying the price that she's going to be does not reflect her chances of winning. Um, and I think that it's going to be, a, a, for a lot of people, which it, it has been a majority of her career, it's a, you turn a pick six into a pick five, you single her and move on, unless you get one of those rides that we all got during the Flower Bowl. Um, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not not, I mean, Joel will tell you that he screwed that up. Like, he, he he's, he's, when he's when he's brilliant and he's on, he's the best rider in the game. Um, but there is one out of ten or two out of ten races that you get. You get one of those. Did he look at the form rides? Now, <laughs> that's that's Hall of Fame numbers, right? Eight out of ten. So I'm not complaining. And 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 I look, I have those bad moments too. Whenever I'm doing whatever I'm doing in life, so I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying that he messed that up, and and that's okay. He's still a great rider. Let's move on to race number nine. We've got these $40,000 claimers going seven furlongs on the dirt. We've got a race that appears to have a lot of pace. And I was interested in the chances of from another mother who has shown speed in the past, but I think here in the second race off the layoff should be, I'm hoping ridden as with that outside post a little bit from off the pace, assuming others go forward as I think they will. And 
I'm hoping this is a horse that uh, facing an easier group here back in the claiming ranks can get the job done under Dylan Davis for uh, for our man, Ray Handel. What did you think of this one? Yeah, this is one of those spots where I'm going to do the, all, the tricky all but all but one. Uh, it's one of those races where like <laughs> you, you still can, do that, huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah. All the time. I'm not using the two storied Ella. I just I just can't do it. Um, the, these claiming races, what I've kind of found and, and something I, I do from time to time is is you look, uh, you know, in stakes races you can kind of look at horses' last couple of races and have an idea who they are. Uh, but when it comes to these claiming races, because they're switching barns and because they're switching distances and because they got claimed from them and claimed from here and moved to there and moved to here, cutting back, stretching out, they're always doing different things. Their last couple races can mislead you as to who they are and what they are capable of doing. And when I look through these horses, man, there's like 70, 75, 80 buyers sprinkled out throughout their past performances. And I like Baltasar can run a 75. Uh, Skylander can run a 75. Win for gold, 75. Slow decision, small improvement. Second time, Peter Walder, run a 75. Cash and flash, ran 75s on the synthetic. Hang tight, could run 75. Maximum moment, has some 83, some 79, some 80s deeper in the end. So it's, and then from another mother can run. So it's like, I don't want to try to predict which horse is going to show up on the day in a sequence where I'm going to try to beat a horse who's going to be odds on. Just give me the all but one. I don't need the two. That horse can't run the numbers that I think you need to beat. Uh, for that, for that, especially for that outfit, uh, uh, a trainer who is 201 for 2,189, 9% in their career. Like they, they beat me there. They beat me there. Race number 10. We move on to the turf. We've got three and up Philly and mayor, New York breads. We're going a mile and a 16th on the turf. And I was attracted to new Guinea, not super creative. This is a horse who I would imagine is going to be the favorite, but I just like the fact that she's drawn inside. I like her body of work a lot. Seems to try every time coming into this race well. I think there should be enough speed to set up her late kick. Um, Dylan Davis, again, for me, uh, this time with Christophe Clement calling the shots. Who did you like in race number 10? Uh, well, you know, a, a move I'm trying to kind of also improve on, too. Is, you know, I know a lot of us use AB tickets and, 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 and ABC tickets and, you know, Singling horses is, is always one of the things I like to try to do to, to be able to kind of make the ticket uh, multiple lower so that I can hit it for more times and things like that. Another move that I think is underrated is just using two horses in a big field and no Bs, no nothing else. Just use two A horses. That way you get unlucky with one of them with a the bad trip. You got the other good one. And that's what I'm going to do here. I'm just going to use the one New Guinea and the four She's Amia. If one of them loses, then I just I get beat in the leg and that's fine. I, I was going to single New Guinea, but I want to have Shizumiya because New Guinea's style finds herself, we've seen for the last four or five starts, just kind of always finds herself in a little bit of a pickle. And with a perfect setup, she could win this race by three. With the wrong setup, she's, she's, she's third. So right. I can't lean on her, although I think she's the best horse in the race. So I'll just use the one and the four. Christophe Clement does well in the race. J.K. will do well in the race. I, I think you make good points about uh, about the forerunner. She's a me, and I am going to officially. I was on the verge of listing as my lone backup, and I think I'm going to go ahead and do it that way. Our nightcap is race number eleven. Just got a minute or two here, J.K., to talk about this maiden claiming forty three and up New York bred fillies and mares going a mile and a sixteenth on the turf. Um, I'm going to give my uh, my quick thought first, and then I'll pull you in. I just thought that Jocosity was going to get an absolutely perfect trip in this spot. I think has enough tactical speed to get good position. 
I don't think will be leading, maybe get a nice toe into the race from a, from a horse like the five. And I think for a runner who has among the best speed in this field, she's also got some of the best finish. I mean, this is a, a significant drop in class. I think she's going to get the, the job done. I'm all about jocosity to close things out. But I will ask you the key question when it comes to this nightcap at the Big A on Saturday. How are we going to get paid? Well, you know, I, I want to say, I, I want to, I don't want to correct you on something you said. I want to, to challenge something you said, which is something that I believe probably 60 days ago as well until having an in-depth conversation with George Weaver about it. I agree that maiden special weight to maiden claiming is the biggest drop in racing. George has convinced me that the New York bred maiden special weight to maiden 40 is not that big of a drop, especially in turf racing. That's fair. And no, I think that's fair. I, I don't, you know, for we do we base all of our decisions typically off of results in wagering, uh, who won the race and what the speed figure was. But like George, like you know, trainers spend time with these animals. They they know the difference between a maiden forty and a maiden special weight because they they deal with them every day. And so I've tried to at least open my my brain and my heart and my eyes to that idea. And I'm realizing that as many of these races as these sequences that end in these maiden forties in New York it's a pretty important topic to have a grasp on. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm, so I'm still working through it, but my point is, is that a horse like Jocosity from a speed figure standpoint, although is dropping maiden special weight is basically running similar numbers to like the one Oak loves a fight, uh, running similar numbers to like the five running similar numbers to um, even, even horses like the nine and the 10. And then you get the Jorge Abreu first-time starter, and he's 20% with first-time starters, and he does really well on the grass. This is a race that I'm going to be spreading in and, and hoping in, in a situation like this that George's uh, hypothesis is actually true here, that, that there's not that drastic of a decision between maiden special weight droppers and uh, uh, maiden, state-bred maiden special weight droppers into the state-bred maiden 40s in New York. It's a few points to me. Like, I wish I had the data. I could pull this, but I don't, I don't have time. I'm going to guess it's like a 70 to a 66, you know, it's a drop. Right. But then in rate, but in yes, but in rate, like, but in turf racing, which is where we always joke about why trainers like to gravitate towards the grass is because they don't have to tell their owner they got beat by 17. They can right. say, oh, we got beat by four lengths. We're right there <laughs> because that's what grass racing is. It's, it's, it's a lot tighter finishes. And it's and a so, much bigger difference. I mean, you know, the equivalent, yeah. I'm not sure. I wish I had the numbers, but it's at least the 10 point drop on the, on the dirt. So, I mean, George, well, we can make it a, an exercise. We can make it an exercise for someone to put it in the comments. So, yes. Uh, and, wh- and whoever puts it in the comments first, whoever, whoever puts the, 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 the par for maiden special maiden forties versus maiden special eight state breads on the turf. Um, if you put it in the YouTube comments, whoever puts it in there first, um, you got to somehow like tell us that you put it there. Tweet Peter. I will, uh, we'll send you, I'll send you a JK shirt. How about that? Wow. That's an awesome offer. All right. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Just, uh, we'll commu- we can communicate right back and forth in the comments and we'll t- send you to the, to the, you know, to the website in the money The contact link there goes right to my, right to my email. A little homework assignment for the viewers here on, on YouTube. And if you're listening, you got to go to YouTube to put in those comments. And hey, if you're a listener, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel anyway. There's going to be a lot of great content coming up there. Going to be using JK immensely. Now, while I agree with George's point, it doesn't put me off jocosity at all. Because the main thing I like, the main thing I like is the situation and the trip. It was just, to be honest, like 
sometimes you're doing a podcast and it's like something else you notice and you'd like throw it out there, but it is, that was on my laundry list of things I liked. It was at the bottom, but it's, uh, it, it's a great point and, and a very interesting discussion. I'm glad we were able to have today, JK. Did you give you, what is your, I'm sorry, in my looking uh, up the parts myself, yeah. I didn't write down your spread. So give me your spread here. Uh, I'm going to spread one, two, five, um, nine, 10, 11, one, two, five, nine, 10, 11. Any grading or just pop them all in there? No, and- I'm going to see. That's the thing. Like people will say, well, if you don't like the favorite, you know, not people, three people will say, why, <laughs> if you don't like the favorite, why are you using the favorite equally to these other horses? Well, because that is my opinion that the favorite is vulnerable. So I, in a normal situation, if I love the favorite, I would have the favorite as a single A and I would have more combinations with the A, with the A horse. But because I think it's equal, that is actually my opinion, is that that horse is much closer to these other longer priced horses. And if I beat Warlike Goddess and I, you know, and then I, I, I hit my, my, my two race, my two horse race with the, the Clement situation and I catch another price somewhere else in the all but one leg. I don't want to get beat by Jocosity. I'm simply saying that Jocosity is not the slam dunk maiden special weight dropper that some might assume. And that I have equally done that a ton of times thinking that maiden special weight dropper is going to beat a horse who's tried maiden 45 times and couldn't win. JK, always fun having you. We're going to have you a lot more this month. We will be talking soon. The Keeneland Fall Meet is underway, and we want to encourage folks to bet with KeenelandSelect.com one of our sponsors on today's program. Their standard bonus that comes with the account is pretty cool. You get a chance to make a few hundred bucks just by signing up. KeenelandSelect.com. This is an ADW that pays you back. Peter Thomas Fornital back with you ready to talk about this all stakes pick five on the Keeneland Saturday card. And I'll remind you that this is not the last five races. This is an all stakes pick five. Every year, it seems somebody gets confused because usually, of course, it is the last five races. Today, it's these five stakes at Keeneland starting in race number six. And to talk about it with me, we bring in a man we always love to turn to on some of these big racing weekends from TaylorMade Partnerships, Medallion Racing. He is Philip Shelton. Philip, how are things? Doing great, Pete. Uh, looking forward to uh, obviously being local to Lexington, Keeneland's the the jewel of the season. So always excited, um, ready to go for today and ready to go for tomorrow as well. Let's take a minute before we dive into the analysis of these races and just ask you what's been going on on the medallion side. What's been keeping you busy? Yeah, just really getting through the yearling season. Um, we, you know, have our second yearling partnership going. So we bought five really nice fillies in September. Um, have our, our last year's yearling partnership, our two-year-old's kind of kicking on and then we got going to Vegas running on Saturday in the grade one Rodeo Drive trying to repeat in the Rodeo Drive and earn a trip back to the Breeders' Cup so really exciting uh, time coupled with all the great races at Keeneland. No doubt about it Uh, exciting time of year uh, especially with the Breeders' Cup going to be happening for folks that want to learn more about Medallion specifically, I think the best website, and you correct me if I'm wrong on this, the TaylorMadePartnerships.com. You've got a medallion banner under that, and you can learn more about how they operate. And then recently, I had that fun chat with Alan Bernatus. You can find that on our YouTube channel as well, where he goes into some of the particulars and some of the things that make TaylorMade Partnerships special. Let's go into the specifics of these races, Philip. The stakes action on Saturday. 
kicks off with race number six at 338 Eastern with the grade two Woodford going five and a half on the turf. What numbers will be on your tickets for this all stakes pick five? Yeah, I mean, I I, I want to get past Golden Pal. You know, I thought it was last year, you know, he won this race convincingly. Then he ended up um, obviously just airing in the Breeders' Cup. Or sorry, he he um, won this race and then won the Breeders' Cup. To me, the question mark there just looks like there's a ton of speed. That's never bothered him in the past. You know, a lot of times he's just been a lot faster than everybody else. Visually, last time he just looked very vulnerable. That was coming off a poor race. Um, and the King Stanley just didn't break at all. And the fact that the last – England, he didn't break. I'll just give him a pass. Irad didn't quite know the procedures. Right. Um, but last time, the fact he didn't get the lead, there's a ton of speed. It just makes me nervous. I just don't know who I'd fall to. I ended up picking him on top. And I, I kind of defaulted to the three-year-old on the outside. I rate Big Invasion really highly. Um, and this horse will be making a second start in the U.S. Had run some races in Europe that were not, um, you know, were, were pretty good. Um, I could see that horse improving. But to me, it's, it's probably Golden Pal's race to lose. Don't love four to five, given the visual performance last time. But it probably takes a step forward here and would have to think be bang on for the Breeders' Cup. I'm going to try to beat him, and maybe I'm being foolish, but th- that was just the way I saw the race based on on the last day. Um, I don't hold the, the – the king stand was – that was not – you know, breaks slowly sometimes can be, oh, maybe it's a sign of going off form. Well, not, not, not when your jockey's looking the wrong way. Yeah. So I don't hold that against him. It was more just the, the, the impression of the last race just wasn't – it just wasn't strong enough for me to want to get involved at four to five in a race where I see several with upside – one of which is number six, Oceanic. This horse has maybe just found himself at five, which will happen sometimes with these turf sprinters. Good attacking uh, post, I think. Has tactical speed. I think could get a good trip. I feel like six to one or so is a good price on Oceanic. I thought it was interesting. I had a good conversation when I was up in Toronto recently with Tony Joe about the buyer speed figure team and what it takes, the confidence they need to have in a figure for them to give a triple digit figure. They gave Oceanic the triple digit figure last time. They did the same with number seven, uh, Artemis City Limits, another with good speed, that hundred buyer and, and a horse that should be in a very good attacking position. I wanted to use both of those and I wanted to use Katamosto as well, who I did think ran very well to big invasion the last day. I'm not going to hold the big invasion, um, not winning at Kentucky Downs against him. I still think that's good form. I like this overseas form. This is a horse who has speed, who has class. I was going to try those three in that order, six, seven, and nine. And I will have a like one C line with Golden Pal going forward in case I'm just perfectly right everywhere. That was my approach to the Woodford, which moves us on to race number seven, the grade two thoroughbred club of America stakes. We're going six furlongs on the dirt in this spot. And there were two that I wanted to use. Number seven, slammed, I thought was interesting. Does not have a lot of room for error. Drawn between the two others, who I think will be the speeds. But I'm hoping Giroux can just get the perfect spot, flop outside those maybe, and get a great stalk and pounce trip. And another runner who, honestly, I can't tell you what kind of trip she's going to get. I think it's going to be hard because Palm Cottage is in a tough situation, being the inside most drawn speed and technically a flowed downgrade from the last race too. But I just really like the last two runs in aggregate, third time off the layoff. I'm hoping that uh, that she's going to be able to work out a trip in here. I'm going to go seven and two. Philip, how do you see it? Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to land on slam because I just thought 
you know, if Edgeway was in here, she would be, you know, a pretty convincing favorite. Exactly what you said is what made me nervous. The fact that she's shown a lot of speed, arguably the two best speed horses are drawn directly outside of her. It's going to put a lot of pressure on her. I think you're right. If she can just let those two, let the two outside horses go tuck in, she could get a perfect trip. I ended up settling on little Tootsie. This was a horse they primarily kept sprinting earlier in her career. She showed a lot of ability down at fairgrounds. Remember as an early three-year-old, you know, she ran well in the prioress. She'd come back this year and actually run a little better. But like the groupie doll, that race at Ellis, that's a one-turn mile. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure cutting back to six. I do think there's a lot of speed, like with Palm Cottage drawn to the rail. I ended up going one, three, two, kind of the play. Club car always runs good at Keeneland. She could get a bunch of pace to run at. Um I ended up kind of focusing on those, and and but I wouldn't fault anybody. Slammed could be the the best horse in here. I just didn't love the draw, given the fact she's drawn directly inside the two other speeds. It's tricky. I'll put as a backup for you. Is that right, or you, do you think you'll leave? Yeah, off? like this would be a race for me that you know I'm probably going to go Golden Pal and then Single Regal Glory. So this is a race I can spread a little bit more in. Um, you know, and I'll have some backup tickets to some of the horses in the first leg because I, I agree with you on Golden Pal, but. You know, I think this is a shot to, to get a price if you can get outside of outside of the two or the seven. You've tipped your hand about your thought in race number eight, the grade one yeah. first lady for these three and up fillies and mares going a mile on a turf. And you've, you've tipped your hand. And I think it's the I think we're holding the same hand. Regal Glory going to take a whole lot of beating in here. Isn't she back in against her own sex? Yeah. And I just don't, you know, anytime Chad kind of has this weird scenario, right? He's got the two main speed horses in here, but Princess Grace has a has a little bit of speed. Um, but like, what did, what do in Italian and technical analysis do? My gut feeling is in Italian is going to get the lead technical analysis, maybe just sits in second right off. Um, but to me, Regal Glory, just she's like a, a touch above those horses um, to take nothing away from an Italian there. She won the Diana last time really impressively, but her mile races are probably cut below Regal Glory. And, you know, I mean, frankly, six to five to me actually feels like, I could be interested on the wind and that, and I don't normally play horses at six to five. I see it exactly the same. That was such a strangely uh, run race the last day. This should be much more truly run. Nothing else to add. We're both going to be taking a shot. Not really a shot. We're both going to be relying on the heavy favorite Regal glory. And we'll see. I'd love to see odds against. I have a feeling we might see odds on. We shall see. Race number nine, grade one breeders futurity. Very, very interesting race that has attracted a big full field. Phil, very eager to get your thoughts on this one. To me, this is what Keeneland does really well, right? You pull a full field. You've got a, got a grade one winner. You've got a bunch of really impressive maiden winners. Um, you know, the Alcibiades, I think, on Friday was, was equally wide open. I ended up going on the six uh, bourbon bash at 20 to one. I thought this horse, you know, he ran behind Blazing Sevens first out. That horse just won, um, you know, the champagne. He comes back, airs in his next start, and then maybe just doesn't handle the slop. From a pedigree perspective, the mare was really fast by sell hold, but City of Light would have to think this horse could get better going two turns. Like that he shows some speed. I'm just willing to draw a line through the last race and say, hey, maybe it was the mud more than anything. Yep. What's going to be a huge number. Um I picked him on top. I think for second, I went with instant coffee. Um, I think this horse, they ran a bunch of main races that the same day at Saratoga all going seven eights. 
thought this horse was visually the most impressive, um, you know, again, bred to bred to handle the stretch out. And then I think I went with um, with Lost Ark as, as my third choice. You know, this horse has done nothing wrong in two starts. Um, love that you get Pratt back. Um, yeah, I kind of went those, but I couldn't fault anybody that went a bunch of different directions. I probably just slight play against Forte as I think he's going to take a ton of money. You know, violence, I just wouldn't be guaranteed that this horse is absolutely going to love stretching out to two turns. Um, and, you know, maybe the slot moved that horse up last time, although he ran well enough first time out. So, you know, for me, um, just be trying to beat that horse. And I, I wouldn't want to take, you know, a, a really short price on one of these horses who's making their second career start, which is why I kind of landed on Bourbon Bash at, at a much bigger price. I take your warning about that, Philip, but I'm going to sort of go into the face of it and hope that the difference is that these horses aren't too critically overbet in this spot. But, you know, stop me if you've heard this one. I feel like Brad Cox has a very strong hand. You talked about instant coffee before. I just thought that was a tremendous debut run. Very good on the clock. Spent time on a not great rail. Rallied powerfully. Not much was expected based on that price. And I think he can move forward with that run and the added ground. I like the looks of that in-company work with Loggins last time out. And Loggins is one I'm not going to fade. Definitely one I want to keep on side as well. So I'm mainly going to go with five and two. I respect your idea about the 10 runner. Matt uh, Bernier made a very strong case as well for the 10 on Horse Players Happy Hour. And I'll remind folks at this point that we've got another, hopefully, I I need to confirm this, but I do believe we're going to have another $179 qualifier direct to the Breeders' Cup betting challenge as part of Thursday's happy hour, uh, horse player happy hour festivities. Check the schedule. That game will probably go up uh, Tuesday. Last week, there were a couple of feeders for it as well if you want to get in cheap. Anyway, horseplayers.com, the place to go. And then you can join Matt and myself in a sequence that will surely include plenty of Keeneland next Thursday. I'll be uh, phoning it in from the UK, but uh, not phoning, phoning it in literally, but not figuratively, if you follow my meaning. Anyway, we have more racing to discuss here. Uh, with you, Philip, and the grade one action continues in what I can only describe as a loaded running of the Coolmore uh, turf mile stakes. We've got a big full field. We apparently have a lot of pace signed on in this spot. And I'm going to go first on this one because I really, really like Ivar here. I think the form of that last race is fantastic. It just it looked like good form. Uh, modern game, so good. This race came back so strong on the clock. And while Ivar was handled by that rival by five and a quarter, I think just setup wise and the way I expect things to be run could really get a good run of the race in this spot. Third time off the layoff. I'm expecting a peak effort out of Ivar. You can make cases for so many, but I'm going to gamble on Ivar breaking through once again in this spot. Super curious to get your take on it. Yeah, I agree with the the thought with the speed. You know, you've got the one and two down inside who've got a bunch of speed. Um, you know, you've got some of these horses to the outside. Annapolis last time got the lead, but you really got some like at Hot Brown. Looks like he could keep the pace hot. I ended up landing on um, Mason the five, and it was between him and Ivar. I kind of I completely agree. I'm hoping Mason sits a little bit further off the pace. Or he just looks like a horse that if the pace can get quicker in front of him, he might actually enjoy that. He's kind of been hard to handle in some of his races. Um, 
but I think he he's quick enough to hopefully get a good position. Hopefully they go in front. He kind of enjoys that. Uh, and I think he's getting a really square price for a horse that, you know, when he came over and he ran, you know, his first race in the U.S. in the Maker's Mark Mile at Keeneland, you know, got beat a nose and he looked like he was maybe going to be potentially the best miler in America going forward. He's slightly disappointed since then, if you could say that winning two of three and only running third in the four star Dave. Um, but he's just a horse. I think he's run well at Keeneland. Um, a quicker pace might actually help him. He might sit a little bit further off or he can just kind of get in the bit and pull his way around. So that's where I ended up landing at a square price. I'll absolutely be using Ivar um, as well. And I'll be using a horse like Cassacreed who, you know, figures to be coming from far back. I'm not sure if he's as good outside of New York, um, but he's, he's certainly very talented. I think the interesting thing to me is like if Regal Glory was in here, she probably would have been my top pick. I don't know. I get why they're running in the the first lady, um, but I think this race would have been a perfect fit. She probably would have ended up getting the right kind of trip. And just as a long shot, I'll probably include is, is set piece, who I think is another one who will be coming from far back. Um, you know, I like the switch to, to Rosario you know, comes in off of a pretty impressive victory. Um, he'd be another one I'll, I would include at a price. Again, I'm going to go, you know, um, Golden Pal and Regal Glory so I can afford to spread it in, in this race. So five, six, nine, and 12, the spread, would you grade them into A's and B's or use them more equally? Um, no, I definitely have Mason and Ivar as, as my two A's. And then, you know, I'd be spread, spreading spreading further than that with, with B's. Gotcha. Makes sense. What do you make of Annapolis? I'm just curious of your professional opinion of, of this runner. You know, it's just pretty tough for me to take a three-year-old. Like, I don't know that there are any true standouts in this group of older horses, like legit just dominant grade one winning mile horse. I guess you could say, you know, all Cass Creed's done this year is win two, two grade ones. I just don't really like three-year-olds facing olders, especially on the grass. Like, I might take a, a really legit three-year-old dirt horse, facing olders but in general i, I don't don't love I'm, i would handle them i would like them sprinting like I, I think if big invasion um you know he obviously didn't handle kentucky downs last time but like if he was in the race with golden pal i would maybe even pick him over golden pal i don't mind him sprinting but going longer i just on the grass i i, I don't don't really like three-year-olds and That's it's Iraq. is there a particular is there a particular reason why you think that is or just something you've noticed over time I just think for whatever reason, and you know, I've seen it a lot just with more with Phillies, but I think it's true with Colts too. I just think they just lack, lack that little bit of punch late. Like to me, this horse, I'd be shocked if he, if he runs, you know, I mean, he's going to have to improve. Now you'd say, Hey, he's a three-year-old. He's lightly raced. He could improve. But, you know, you look at a, a horse like smooth, like straight, you know, what's he run eight straight or nine straight triple digit buyers, Santon's run three straight. Ivar basically is a hundred digit, hundred plus buyer every time. Mason's three for four this year, hundred, hundred plus buyers. Um, even a horse like Emirati on the outsides run a hundred. You know, set pieces run five. So to me, just those horses are just, you know, they're way more um, consistent at a much higher level. Not that Annapolis might be that, but I just think traditionally you look back at some of the three year olds with the exception of the Euros coming over, I wouldn't mind like a horse, like a modern games or something in the mile. But I, I think the American three-year-olds just always feel like they're better older horses on the grass. 
it's a good question why it isn't that way in Europe. Why the three year olds yeah. well, they all they seem to have an advantage. Now, some of its weight, I imagine, yeah. it's it's only a three pound pull here, but it's clearly gotta be something more than just weight. It must be something about how they how they develop. Yeah, like I yeah, in, in Europe the the weight swing is normally larger. Um and I think the way the courses are set up in Europe, that weight can be a bigger difference than it is here. You get those really long straights and the you know, potentially the give in the ground can make, you know, it can make four or five pounds feel like 12 pounds. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I, I think I don't, I don't mind them sprinting, but it just feels like going longer. These horses are all, always end up being better. I don't know why it is, um, but it's something I, I've definitely paid attention to and noticed with some of these really well thought. I think the other thing too, is that, you know, American racing is so set up for dirt and it's getting more, more to turf. Um, you look at like what Belmont and New York have done with their, the, you know, the, the triple, the turf triple crown and the turf triple TR great series of races, but it feels like a lot of these horses, there aren't tons and tons of spots. So they get brought along a little bit slower because a lot of the biggest races for them, like even look at a horse like classic Causeway, he's a three-year-old, you know, he basically is a Derby cult, um, you know, Annapolis. There's not a lot of these races early in the year for three-year-olds. So he basically runs in the Pilgrim. He was going to run in the Breeders' Cup. Obviously something went wrong. Um, but he doesn't come back till June and then he runs in a grade two in a listed race. Then he runs in a, a grade one, which is, you know, a pretty good field to be fair. Nation's pride handled him pretty easily. And then it just feels like, Hey, any of these horses that come out of the Saranac, they'd be 20 to one in here or 30 yep. to one. Um, now he ended up just drubbing them, but he got loose on the lead and then went 25 and change. So to me, I just think the, the way American, the American schedule set up, you don't see a lot of the best three-year-olds till later in the year. And there are plenty of three-year-old only races. So you also don't see very many of them mix. It's not like dirt where you kind of have the Pennsylvania Derby and you still have the Hollywood Derby. Um, you still have some of these three-year-old only races later in the year. So there's really no reason to even run against older horses. Um, you know, like with Phillies, you still have the American Oaks and, and all these things. So, I don't. I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I hadn't really thought a lot about it until now, but I, I definitely know. I'm no, it, not just a little sidetrack. But I, I think you you raise up some interesting points that'll give people some food for thought when evaluating these races. And I think I agree with you. I mean, you know, with, without looking at any data, it certainly seems that case. But I think, I think your, your hypothesis about the racing calendar makes a whole lot of sense. All right. We got to get the show posted, so I'm gonna we'll cut we'll leave it there. But you know we, we're doing shows every day at Keeneland, so we'll surely be bothering you again, my friend. All right, thanks, Pete. Enjoy uh, enjoy England, and um, hopefully it'll be a great uh, bite. Maybe go out on top on Champions Day. Cheers, my man. All right, thanks. Next up on the show, we've got another really big weekend of racing from our friends up at Woodbine. I was joking before about where I'd be if I could be two places at once. I want to be three places at once, at least, because I wish I was up there for this great card. Still some nice fall weather north of the border, though I know it's going to get chilly soon. But we've got loads of stakes action. And to talk about it with me, we bring in our man when it comes to all things Woodbine from InTheMoneyPodcast.com. It's our business guy, Drew Coatney. Drew, what's up? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, It is Fall full-fledged here in northern Michigan. Got the uh, three full cords of red oak delivered to keep the smoker going. Got to get that season for a whole year before you even let it get close to meat. But, you know, you can throw a little wet wood in the fireplace, get that rolling with some things, uh, with some football. So we're, we're getting excited for 
the cold weather that's upon us. But are you in the season yet? Are you in the? No, that well, we we were in this weird season that doesn't really exist in New York, which was the the five days of of 40 degrees and rain, which is why Belmont at Aqueduct has been off the turf for the last, uh, for the last couple of days. But today is beautiful fall weather. So I'm, I'm excited. I'd mentioned, I've mentioned elsewhere on the show. I don't know what segment's going to be in what order, but I've talked about going to the baseball tonight. I don't think we'll be freezing. There will be sweatshirts, but there will not be giant overcoats. Let's put it that way. Meant to be in the sixties here, but yeah, you told me thirties for the morning. Do you at least get to fire up a wood stove while you do your candy capping? Yeah, I, I will. Um, sometimes we'll get it running in the day because I work from my home. So that makes it easy to keep the fireplace rolling. But we're going to have a great weekend. We got uh, some chicken wings. We're going to do two different ways, one of which throw the chicken wings on the smoker, get them smoked, spin them with a little bit of barbecue and vinegar and some cracked pepper, really get that going good. And then the, uh, the truly crispy chicken wing recipe, you can Google that. Best way, a little baking soda helps crisp up the skin and you just bake them and they are delicious. And it doesn't leave you feeling like you ate the grease bomb of wings Mm -hmm. at a bar, but you still get that same crunch as you spin them with some buffalo sauce or or make your own uh, homemade blue cheese with a little Greek yogurt, some good blue cheese, some some lemon uh, juice and I think some salt and pepper and maybe a little garlic powder in there too. You're absolutely killing me. I'm, you know, I'm doing intermittent fasting, so I'm not supposed to eat. It's we're recording this about 10:30 in the morning. I was hoping going to the game tonight, especially. I was thinking of not eating till you know two o'clock in the afternoon. That might be out the window after hearing that description. <laughs> oh man, it would be fun to be up uh, eating some female bacon in Toronto, though, where these races are going to be taking place. Let's kick off with race number seven, start of a late pick five uh, with the Neartic Stakes, these turf sprinters going six furlongs um, and the return to the races of Bound for Nowhere. We'll start with him, Drew. Are you with or against? I think my question to you is, was last time the time when this runner has failed four out of 12 times as a favorite to win? I mean, what do you make of this situation? I look at every race individually and looking at this race individually, I think he's very, very hard to look past. He's just in great form. He's such a cool horse. Um, You know, the Highlander, he he won it well with a, with a great setup should get another great setup in here. He's just so versatile in terms of his running style. And I love the look of the last workout. So I'm not worried about patterns and things like that with this horse, because I'm seeing a lot of signs that he's in peak form, even as an old boy. And uh, I think if Bound for Nowhere, the regular Bound for Nowhere shows up, everybody else is running for second. I agree. I agree. Cold single for me. I think Ward has sent this horse north and has found a surface this one really likes. And at eight years old, uh, can continue to collect some paychecks. And I think that's exactly what Wesley Ward, the owner-trainer combination, is looking to do. Be fun. We wonder if we get him back to ask it one more time as well. I'm I'm a big big bound for nowhere fan. I mean, it's a fair point. He's he certainly has had situations um, where he hasn't justified the short odds, but that's not his fault entirely either. Like he's had some good races where it just hasn't worked out, and you know he doesn't know what his what his odds are on the board. Anyway, mainly because of the form that he's in, I just think he's going to prove to be very very tough. So, yeah, both of us, stone cold. Let's get this thing started off with Bound for Nowhere. If it goes wrong, come back with some of those low takeout rolling doubles maybe. Uh, or if you got a strong enough opinion, maybe even look at a bet like the late pick four. Race number eight is the grade three Durham Cup, a mile and a 16th 
on the synthetic. I had a couple I wanted to use in this spot. Number three, War Bomber I liked. Should get a trip a lot like the fast winning one two races back. I thought the last race was easily forgiven uh, in the Woodbine Mile and even contesting the pace in there. And it was a fast pace in a race that played out uh, a little bit roughly. Number seven, Ombre is also interesting to me. Has claims on the current form. Looks to also be working very well for the synthetic debut. And the synthetic debut makes a ton of sense on blood. In fact, the Timeform US breeding algorithm has him best of any of the various disciplines on different surfaces going the best synthetic routing. Three and seven for me in the Durham Cup. How do you see it? Yeah, I like the number seven for all the things you had said below. It's been running some nice races in the last four. And some speed signed on here today, I think, could uh, stalk and make that late move. Uh, the number one, like the King at 15 to one, ran some strong three-year-old numbers over the surface. So not sure what to really make of those last three races, but didn't embarrass himself completely. And the four-year-old still has upside left. So 15 to one draws the rail. Not a bad way to go. And then also, I'll be using as a backup the number nine, who's the star, deep closer who might get the perfect pace set up. They thought enough of him to send him to Kentucky Downs, and today the four-year-old might have something left to improve upon and trying to all-weather the first time. So 7-1 for me, and then a little backup of the nine. I don't hate that one idea as a backup like the King. Folks will remember his uh, his big win in the Jeff Ruby back uh, back a couple of years ago. Well, last year, I suppose it only was. Time, time has lost its meaning. <laughs> 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 but uh, you, I think that's an interesting point on a horse that's going to be a very, very big price. You know, it is hard to look past that current form, but when you're going to get rewarded with the kind of price you're going to get on Lake King, I don't blame you for doing it. Let's move on to the big one. The EP Taylor, grade one, Phillies and mares, three and up, a mile and a quarter on the turf, and the return to the races of Moira. They talked about a bunch of different potential spots for her. They've decided to take on elders and go to the turf. What do you think? I'm going with the number four, Rogier. Nothing creative here. Lasik's first time after being defeated three straight in a row. And I really wanted to bet against this horse because Chad Brown is terrible at Woodbine lately and Rogier has lost the three straight. However, there's not a lot of pace in here. And I think Rogier is just going to get that perfect setup and it's going to be a really, really hard one to bet against Rogier. I think Moira is going to draw money and make Rogier some decent value. Uh, especially considering the class that Rogier has had lately. The other horse I'll be using, La Mista, the, uh, the number seven at 12 to one. I don't think we'll see 12 to one on the, uh, on the actual tote board, but there's no speed signed on today. And I think this is going to be another matchmaker type of race we saw at Monmouth. Gets the lead, saves the ground, and it's going to be a foot race maybe at the final two furlongs. So the number seven and the number four, Rogier and La Mista are kind of 1A, uh, 2A for me. And then two backups I'll be using coming way off the pace. The number six, Flirting Bridge, 10 to 1. He has continued to catch those slow paces. And I think it's going to be really overlooked in the betting market. 10, 12, 15 to 1. Not not crazy to think of. And then the number five, Henrietta Top in the 20 to 1 is trending in the right direction and finished only a few lengths in the Kentucky Downs race last out. So continues to prove with each start and could be a great underneath use play. I'm actually looking to get involved in the trifecta here with these two Chad Brown runners on top and a little six, five in the third spot for me in the EP Taylor. 
Interesting. You use four. I use two. None are the same. We found our, <laughs> uh, our head-to-head spot. We just see this race completely diametrically opposed. I think Moira's going to win. She was incredibly good in the plate. I love the quick middle move, and she stayed on really well. The form of the plate is terrific. Two of the eight have come back to win. Every single runner has improved their figure. That tells me that 97 is probably light. I think I think this is probably closer to 100. And this, this horse is bred for turf. Go Sappers are well known for their prowess on turf. Mom was a turf stakes winner. And the sibling ran a 90 buyer on the turf and won a stake. The turf work the other day was well-reviewed. Should get an absolutely great trip, I think, from mid-pack or second flight. I think she just might be faster than these. I say she's going to win. The other one who I think can win and I want on side is the number eight, my lady. This is just rock-solid German form. We've seen these type of invaders do so well in North America over the years. I will use some eight uh, chance that may be better suited by the distance. But I think Moira's going to win. I'm going 3-8. And then uh, Drew has a big spread four seven, and then the six five in the tailor. So one of us, one of us better be right. We'll put it that way. Funny enough, there are other horses who I would say are theoretically contenders who neither neither of us even picked. But those are our thoughts on that one. Let's move ahead to race number ten, where we've got the Ontario Racing Stakes going five furlongs on the inner in this uh, in this one. I was. Much more uncreative, I think. Uh, well, not that I was super creative in the previous race, but here I'm the two favorites. The six, Ever a Rebel, is the one I went with on top. Wondering if he bled on debut. Really emptied out late. Now ships to a place where he can get LASIK supplied. Has the speed to lead, I think, even with blinkers off. That we know can be very dangerous on this intercourse. Very dangerous at five. Ever a Rebel's dam was a turf winner. Worked on turf back at Saratoga. I think Ever a Rebel is a valid wire threat. Bushido, the eight runner, is the other logical. Has the turf win and a figure edge. Good work since. One thing that held me back on Bushido, and I may be overthinking it here, is this is the rare trainer of Bannock whose second time start numbers are worse than his first time start numbers overall, which suggests Mm -hmm. to me that maybe Bushido arrived fully formed on debut and whereas I'm pretty confident that Ever a Rebel is going to step up, I think Bushido might just run that race again. That race may be good enough to win, but it makes me hesitate. I think Bushido will go the favorite, and it makes me hesitate on taking Bushido as the favorite. More of a backup or a second day anyway, Ever a Rebel, a clear top choice for me. Who do you like in the Ontario Racing Stakes? Yeah, I'm going to start with a question here because I think this is a fascinating race. Do you think two year olds have a tendency to fall apart in these sprint races when there's pace. You mean more so than the average horse? I mean, any, any horse when tested too much in a sprint is going to have trouble hanging on. I mean, I think speed is just as dangerous. I mean, I guess to answer your question, I don't treat speed any differently with two year old races than other races, except in a race where there's tons of ones with similar early speed. I will, love to try to get a closer involved the angle we saw talk about lone speed all the time we rarely talk about lone closers you know blazing sevens in the champagne good example of that mm-hmm. and, and that was one of the things that led led to the win but it's not like i think speed doesn't do as well such as you just find a lot of situations where there's too much speed if that answers the question yeah it does it does so i'm i'm going with the number three 94 expos at 15 to one for cassie uh hernandez aboard 
uh, last out at the summer stakes, I think was too far and also tried to tackle mysterious night and was just outmatched. And then on the debut for 2022, um, came out in a pace collapse race. They don't show it as time form red coated, but I think uh, was was uh, was impressive enough for the horse to hang on near the end and only be beaten by a length. So I'm on the number three, 94 Expos to stalk and hope that Keen Flatter and Ever a Rebel and Bushido all hook up and uh, the number three, 94 Expos at a big price will clean up. And then I am also on the number eight Bushido I just think, look, the most visually impressive and is proven. It does give me pause that stat you threw out that doesn't, uh, Bannock does not do as well second time starters as debut. That's a little different than you would expect. So I'm still going to use the number eight Bushido based on the form on the turf. So for me, it's the three and the eight trying to get a little skinny and uh, express an opinion to generate some value in other spots where we're a little spready in the sequence. I think it's interesting. I mean, you make a good point about 94 Expos. You go back to the last five furlong race, and it was an eight-length win. Granted, you know, easy trip and and on synthetic, but you're dealing with a horse that's going to be 15 to 1. I can't imagine will be on the lead here. Gets to have Lasix going into the listed stake. There, there's some there's some real things to like there. I, I always like that. I like the name 94 Expos, thinking back to that team that, uh, would have had a very good chance of winning the World Series had they not decided to stop the season that year. That definitely, definitely a low point in uh, in my baseball fandom. That ninety four, that ninety four season, and then of course the Expos uh, leaving Canada in short order. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about race number eleven. Our our nightcap. We've got these fifteen thousand dollar claimers on the synthetic going a mile and a sixteenth. If we're playing this late pick five, how are we getting paid? Yeah, what a tough race to try and get paid on. And I'm going to land on the number one, Zafeather, at 4-1. to one. Lightly raced out of this bunch and is going out for the fourth start of the year. Last out faced the N3L bunch and drops back down. I think this one needs to save all the ground and make a late move. Looks to be enough pace up front for her to sit three to four lengths off and make that move. Has already shown an ability to pass, which is a huge upgrade in my book at these ranks. So the number one is a feather, is a lone A for me. And then a couple backups that I'll use the number seven running for cover, five to two morning line. Um, has seconditis, but drop in purse money maybe finally gets it. I think has run 17 or 18 times and uh, has only won once. And then uh, number eight, Glorious Tribute, second start for a new trainer, maybe gets things figured out. And then the number nine, uh, Amas. Uh, it's the big lone closer in this race that may pick up pieces or or even get the win in what looks to be a wide open event. So four horses for me, one A of the one, and then three backups, seven, eight, and nine in a tough nightcap. It is interesting, and I don't know the condition book that well. There may be an obvious answer for why we're seeing Zafeta the Philly against the boys in this uh, in this spot. She is on my radar. I made her my second choice mainly off what I thought was a truly awful ride last time. No offense to the to the jock, but it was not great. Um, fast pace, rushing up mid-race, and just, you know, running, understandably, running out of gas. With a more even run through, and uh, Slay Jones doing such a great job up there right now, I had to include on the trip angle, and I do feel buoyed by some of your other ideas. But my top pick is number three, Confident and Elite. Could get a run a lot like two back, when allowed to waltz on the lead. And I think that would bury the field has speed 
relatively unexposed, both very, very dangerous qualities at this level. I also just like that pattern. Little bit of a of a backup first time against winners, now in a favorable situation. Obviously has to get the distance. This is a sprinter stretching out, but on blood and, and on trainer, I'm not too worried about either of those things. I like it three and one to close things out on this loaded card at Woodbine. Good stuff, Drew. Really appreciate uh, spending a few minutes with you and getting a chance to chat. Any closing thoughts before we end this segment of the show? No, uh, I, I think we didn't decide on a head-to-head with Moira versus Rogier, maybe? Yeah, that could work. I mean, heck, all on odds. I mean, I guess we can just keep it simple because on the morning line, actually, I think Rogier's even lower than Moira. In reality, I think it might be something different. But yeah, let's just do that. Moira, Rogier, and and we'll uh, we'll see. I'll be we'll be together in a few weeks' time at the Breeders' Cup, so we can start paying off some of these drinks in the form of delicious bourbon, maybe from that great bourbon bar downstairs at Keeneland. Oh, fantastic! I am looking forward to it. And I will be in my best uh, Keeneland fall attire come Breeders Cup. <laughs> I don't know what that. What does that mean? What What does your best Keeneland fall attire look like? Uh, I, I'm thinking like a, a barber vest of some sort. That and, works. Uh, some nice boots. Uh, making sure we <laughs> we fit into the the Lexitonian ways. Carry around if you get that the puffy vest and you carry around a, a maybe a sales catalog and or a clipboard, <laughs> people will think you're a bloodstock agent. There you go, there you go. I, I'm new on the new on the scene. The ITM <laughs> Bloodstock Agency. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> I we have now. Good stuff, Drew. M- very much of a pleasure. We'll be talking soon. All right, take care. Today's show brought to you by BetMakers. Fixed odds betting powered by BetMakers is back and in effect at New Jersey. And the early returns are fantastic for players with 70% of the winners paying more on fixed odds than they are on the tote. Fixed odds wagering is now available throughout the state through the Monmouth Bets website. The app is coming soon. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands because the odds you bet are the odds you get. You're going to be hearing a lot more about fixed odds betting opportunities across the In The Money Media Network, including in this next segment, because I am very happy to bring in a man who's been covering New Jersey for us. He's going to be very active with this upcoming Keeneland meet as well. We're going to talk about this Saturday night card at the Meadowlands, the weather looking good in New York for this six race card. And the man joining me to talk about it, who you know from InTheMoneyPodcast.com, is Eric Solomon. Eric, how are things? I'm doing great, Peter. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, we're recording this early on Friday, and the show will drop a little bit later. Hopefully, it'll drop pretty early afternoon. Plenty of time to get ducks in a row. I'm going to be on a plane. Uh, My flight actually leaves when the first race runs. Heading over to England for for this run, I'll uh, I'll be watching, hopefully the baseball on the on the plane while this all goes on. Hey, listen, I, I'm a Philadelphia fan uh, through and through, so I'm just happy to see October baseball for the first time in what feels like forever. It's been a minute for you guys. It's been a minute for us too, um, you know, with, with this Mets run. And obviously a lot of Mets fans feel like this is a weekend of baseball that shouldn't be happening. But I'll tell you what, I am trying to make lemonade here. Had the Mets done what they were supposed to do, and win the division, I wouldn't have gotten to go to a playoff game this year in all likelihood. Now Perrin and I are going to go check out this game tonight, which is going to be a ton of fun. 
I, I'm curious to see. We we may set a record for for latest bedtime for this uh, <laughs> for this nine year old. Do you? Uh, how does your How does your team do handling the, the the late night baseball games? Have you tried that one out yet? Oh, it's uh, Tr- Troy loves being you know with uh, working at the minor league ballpark there. So so he'll uh, he he was thrilled to stay there on late night firework nights. Um, he, he's, he's good up until the car ride and then the car ride, it's kind of like, eh, but <laughs> it, you know, whatever's going on, he, he is, he definitely has uh, he, he's like me. He definitely has like some kind of fear of missing out of things. So he, he, he's all in. That's good. That's good. I'm just a little nervous. I was really hoping for a 707 start, the 807 start. That's a big hour. I got you. <laughs> I, 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 completely true. <laughs> Well, we're going to see how it works. But anyway, we will be paying attention. I'll, I'll be checking in. We, maybe we'll even make some bets on the Friday night Meadowlands <laughs> card. we got a few more days left of this Meadowlands all-turf meet. How's it been going for you so far? Obviously, we've lost a few days for weather, but we've we've run a few as well. Do you like this little uh, experimental meet that they do? I, I do. It's It gives an opportunity for some horses in the New Jersey area to run, you know, at times where they might not have had the chance. Some horses, you know, that that are trying the turf, uh, that might be a little sneaky. Some some interesting drop down horses. Um, so there's definitely value to be had. Decent field size, uh, both uh, Saturday, Friday and Saturday. Good stuff. People can read your full analysis on InTheMoneyPodcast.com. But we're just going to run down the the six races on the Saturday card. Just get some very high level thoughts from you on this one in this segment of the show. I don't have prices yet, but fixed odds betting will be available both at Meadowlands and through MonmouthBets.com. We kick things off with Jersey Bread, two year old fillies made in special weights, going five furlongs on the turf. Who do you like in here, Eric? I'm going to be on the three delightful Ava second time starter sired by a very good turf sprinter Buchero. Uh, I like this horse in the debut. Didn't run terrible at, at Monmouth uh, first time out. Uh, finished third with uh, twenty five thousand dollars maiden claimers. Comes into New Jersey bred uh, state bred company in a turf sprint tonight. I think has a decent move forward second time out for Kent Sweezy. Four to one on the morning line. I'd be I'd be pretty willing to take anywhere around there. You know, if, if we're able to get that with the fixed odds. Um, and speaking of the the other horse that I'm going to use is the six whose name is Fixed Odds. Uh, <laughs> this is a New Jersey bred horse that has uh, three starts in state bred maiden special company on the dirt. Speed and fade all three. There there definitely is some uh, turf ability in the pedigree there, and so cutting back to five furlongs probably not a bad thing here for this one. Morning line favorite two to one. I, I, you know, always hesitant to take too short of a price on a horse doing something new for the first time. But, but certainly with this field, this horse makes a lot of sense. So these are the two. I'm going to try and beat the uh, other horse that's going to take some money in here. Precious Avery uh, has the highest buyer speed figure on dirt in the race, but I don't see a ton of turf pedigree in there. Not a high percentage barn. So t- to me, just don't see a lot of value on that one. Three and six. Now, Buchero is off to a terrific start with the Firsters, three for 16, mm-hmm. and not on turf yet. So this, right. that, that's a lie. Two turf sprinters with, with a third from that group, but barely any on turf yet. So so we're going to we're going to see. You would think logically the Bucheros would improve. So I like that pick quite a bit. Let's move on to the second race on the card. We've got an allowance also going five furlongs. 
This is a race that the time form algorithm says is going to favor horses on or near the lead. And they have four harp, the five runner getting loose potentially. Is he on your radar at all? And, and who do you like? Yeah, that, that that's my top pick. Um, and one of, one of the horses I feel, you know, one of the picks I feel stronger about on this card. I, I just don't see anybody going with four harp early. This is a race that was brought back from last Saturday. It was canceled. I lost a couple horses that I liked uh, that, that would possibly contend for the early lead with four harp. Those horses did not come back this week. So I, I think the assignment gets easier. This is a horse that has you know s- several starts, but just got on the turf for the first time three starts ago. Showed some, you know, ran a decent race at Saratoga and claiming company moved to starter allowance company there faded in the faded going five and a half went to parks in a five furlong race and just ran them off their feet. And I, and I think that that's, uh, it, it's definitely a possibility here. I do, you know, when, when handicapping these mom, um, these Meadowlands races, I do look for horses, uh, in these sprint races that might be a little better at five furlongs and five and a half because Mammoth cards a, a lot of those five and a half races out of that shoot where there's a lot of hidden ground loss and, and some horses that just don't run as well at that distance really excel at five furlongs. So sometimes you can get a little value that way too. No, I like that angle quite a bit. Definitely good, good, good and subtle. What would be your full reckoning of the race? Any others you wanted to mention or, or, or just run me down the numbers? As, as savers, uh, Bam Bam Blue, ten-year-old gelding that lightly raced, kind of came back after a long layoff uh, last year. Uh, has looked really good at Monmouth this year. Uh, three strong races, cleared the non-winners of one condition last time. Uh, it makes sense, but I, again, and Society Boy as well, just coming off of a win at five and a half at Monmouth, clearing the non-winners of one condition. I just, I, I think both are very nice horses. Uh, I just don't know if they'll be able to catch up to four harp tonight. No, that makes sense. Let's move on to the third race. Maiden claimers at the $25,000 level stretching out to a mile here. And we've got an oversubscribed field. So it looks like 10 will go. What's your preference? Uh, I'm on anvil in this race. Number seven, uh, six to one on the morning line coming in from colonial downs. This horse was in a maiden special weight at a mile and a quarter there last month. Went off at 124 to one, and I thought ran ran a decent race. Was third, faded late to be beaten 11 lengths by a couple of nice horses down there, but was competitive. Finished in front of a, of several horses. That was the first start on turf. Took a big step forward that day. Now cuts back to a mile. Drops into maiden claiming company. The sire Sun Tracer, kind of kind of an obscure sire, does. But uh, 24% win percentage with turf route horses. So not a concern for me. Uh, I, I like Anvil on top there, 6-1. to one. And again, you know, that's anywhere around there, I, I'd be more than happy to take. Uh, another horse, a little, little bit of a price. I, Southern Civility, 10-1, to one, uh, I'll be using. This horse was entered yesterday at the uh, Belmont at the Big A uh, and ended up scratching. They didn't run on turf that day. I think this horse is interesting, stretching out to a mile. Uh, sired by Lauban out of a flower er, flower alley mare. Mare has produced some horses that have, or the mare herself was uh, best at two turns on the turf. The last race turf sprint wasn't bad with $40,000 maiden claimers uh, at Bel- at Aqueduct. I think certainly could move forward here on the drop in class. 
Sun Tracer, you mentioned the sire of Anvil. Just a mm-hmm. note on on that on that runner, a son of Kitten's Joy. So maybe that's not maybe that's not so surprising. And then looking, I didn't remember much about this horse, but looking at the PP, yeah, it's all it's all long on the turf. So I, I think that's interesting to try to find sires that you know people aren't necessarily thinking of um, that could be that could be turf sires. And this one, Anvil, also has. One of my absolute favorite angles, which is stepping onto the new service surface and just improving markedly, going from the negative buyer to uh, to a sixty one previous high on synth at Presque Isle was twenty two for Anvil. But uh, this horse may have found a home, and it's very logical on the blood. I think both Anvil and Southern Civility make sense in this spot. Let's go to the back half of this six race card. We've got seventy five hundred dollar claimers. Phillies and mares this time three and up, and we're back to that flat five. Who's your idea of the winner? Uh, I'm going to use three in this race. Uh, top pick is Lady Simpatia, the three horse six to one on the morning line, is taking a pretty significant drop in class. Was racing with uh, twenty five thousand dollar non winners of two claimers last time out at Mammoth at the five furlongs. Kind of got hooked in a speed duel and, and faded that day. Uh, two previous starts at Delaware at five furlongs were, were sharp, and, and I do like the race back on the 21st where uh, she handled being on a softer course there. There's definitely going to be some give to the ground after all the rain that was in the area uh, earlier in the week. So I, I think this horse can handle it. You know, a horse possibly could be up on the front end. Uh, Moon Party, the four, makes sense coming off of a maiden win with uh, $16,000 maiden claimers down at Monmouth. Three starts on turf in turf sprints there. Uh, two two were, were decent and would be competitive at this level. There was kind of one sandwich in the middle that was not good at all with no real seeming, no real visible excuse anyway. So, you know, I'm at this level, certainly willing to kind of look past some things. And you know, five to one, I think, is a pretty fair number. Hira Rendon riding, really riding this course very well right now. And then the other one we're going to use is on Little Red Button. Seven to two on the morning line. I feel that price is a little too low for me. So hoping to get a little more value there. Um, coming back to a sprint after a pair of route races, some decent efforts at Mammoth earlier in the year. It's an interesting one where in terms of like the race ratings on Timeform US, this race is actually projects to be a higher rating than those more expensive $16,000 claimers Little Red Button was running in down in the southern part of the state. So I take your point about 7-2 to two maybe being a, a shade low on that one, but a contender nonetheless. Race number five is a starter allowance for Phillies and Mares 3 and up. Flat five once again, full field once again. What numbers will be on your tickets in here? This, this is a race I, I'm kind of undecided on at the moment. And the reason is that the 10 horse Rambert, who is the morning line favorite is entered tonight and at, in the honeybee stakes at, at the Meadowlands. Don't know where they're, they're leaning with this one. If the horse Philly is nine to two on that race uh, would be two to one and the heavy favorite in this race. So uh, if, if she runs here, obviously she's a player at this level. If she doesn't and she she scratches out of this race on Saturday, that should open the door for two of the also eligible horses. Uh, and I like both of them. Misspelled Moon 
the 11 really like the maiden race with a str- against a strong field back at Mammoth in June went up to Saratoga and was very competitive and starter allowance company there tried six furlongs at aqueduct last time out uh, maybe going a bit too far for that one so the cutback to five makes a lot of sense to me and then the 12 horse uh Openogo, Kevin Patterson, uh, extremely high percentage trainer from you know, usually based out in like West Virginia, mid Atlantic area. This, this horse definitely has some ability at five furlongs. It's kind of the edge of this horse's ability, but uh, six starts at in a five furlong sprint, four wins, one second, one third. If Rambert is out, I'll also upgrade both Miss Sakamoto, the nine off the layoff. And then the five band sweetheart as, as a horse kind of coming late, this horse ran well at the meet at this meet last year. So I do like to see horses that handled this course before uh, form this year has been kind of up and down, kind of not finishing her races the best. So maybe the cutback to five, even though she's a little bit of a closer will help this one. Some compelling cases. Misspelled Moon owned in partnership by our friends over at Adelphi Racing. I know they're high on her. I know they think that uh, that she's got some ability. And uh, should she be able to sneak in here? Uh, definitely seems like one that could be interesting. And I'm assuming with the speed she has, maybe there's not such a concern about the, the outside post going five on the turf at Meadowlands. How much do you downgrade runners on the far outside in these one-turn uh, turf sprints at Meadowlands? Um, honestly, I, I, I don't really, unless there is just an absolute ton of early speed, I I don't really give it too much thought. I think the try generally plays pretty fair. Rails are out at 17 feet tonight. If she draws post 10, if she gets in probably post 10, not ideal, but, uh, certainly not a deal breaker for me. Okay. Makes sense. The nightcap, we've got dime maiden claimers, five furlongs on the turf. Once again, eight go postward. The favorite on the morning line, it's competitive, but uh, get them digits installed as the morning line favorite at two to one. Are you with this one or against? Uh, definitely going to be on my ticket here. Um, this horse is definitely better on turf coming off of a uh, third place finish at Colonial, get, kind of getting back on the turf. That was the first turf sprint for this one. Tired just a little bit. Uh, so, so cutting back to five certainly makes sense for this one. I do prefer, I do slightly prefer Almond Cider, the seven as the top pick in this race. Uh, just missed with a $16,000 maiden claimers, also at five and a half. Also got a little bit tired there. An interesting kind of note with this horse is that uh, Kingdom Racing Ownership Group, uh, John McAllen had, had trained horses from, from this group for a while. Typically a lot of long shots, lower percentage horses, uh, or he's lower percentage trainer. Uh, at some point over the summer, they trained, they changed over to, uh, Raphael Schistel, I believe that I said as a trainer, higher percentage trainer, his horses have run well since moving into his barn. Uh, th- this one was 94 to one that day. So, so kind of that same angle we were talking about earlier, kind of take that big step up in the first turf sprint. So I- I'll play this one back. Hope to get a little better than three to one. I do think that, you know, get them digits is definitely going to take money. I think the big calico will also take some money. Uh, source I'll, I'll, I'll cover with a decent effort last time out with, uh, in that same race that Almond Cider is coming out of. Great stuff, Eric. Really appreciate your thoughts on this one. If folks are listening to this right away, you can also catch Eric on a pod with me going over the Friday Keeneland card, the opening day Keeneland card, and you can read his Keeneland analysis 
every day as well over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Eric, thank you so much. Thank you. $5,000 Showvivor is back. Play in Santanita's free online game. Select one horse a day to compete for prize money across five different categories. Play for free at santanita.com slash contest. Speaking of contests and Santanita, the $14,000 Santanita Pick'em is also back. An online contest mixing popular sports props, including horse racing and football, offered every Saturday and Sunday. Chance to win $1,000 per contest day. Same URL, santanita.com slash contest. Also, Santanita, one of the leaders in live money contests. Check out their challenge schedule to compete against the best and win big in Santanita's handicapping tournaments. You can play on track or at ExpressBet to go after a $500,000 bonus if you play live. You can see the full schedule. Say it with me, santanita.com slash contest. PTF back with you. Very happy to welcome in a man that we're not just welcoming to the airwaves, we're welcoming to the family because he's been doing such a great job on the Santa Anita notebooks so far. He's a guy I know from the contest world and uh, somebody I'm really excited to chat with today about the late pick five at Santa Anita on this Saturday card. He is Justin Christine. Justin, how are you? I'm great, Pete. Excited to be on the In the Money Airwaves, bringing uh, some information to our horse players around the country and maybe even around the globe, for that matter. Definitely around the globe. We've got lots of uh, lots of international listeners. It's kind of funny because you can see you see the breakdown by country in one place on the on the site, and you could be like, "Oh, we're kind of big in Australia. How fun is that?" Yeah. Now, I lied. You've been on the airwaves before, but on Redboard Rewind this time. We're gonna make it. We're making it trickier on you. We're making you talk about the races before they happen. And the first one of those is race number six, the Grade Two Chandelier for these two-year-old fillies going a mile and a sixteenth. What numbers will be on your tickets in here? Well, let's start with uh, the two-to-one favorite, Just Seek. I know how impressive that horse was in his debut, and um, I don't fancy myself a workout expert. However, I have watched enough workout videos and listened to enough workout analysts. Uh, to be able to know something about it. And if I can find a chink in the armor, I'm going to. Um, Just Seek's last work, he switched leads halfway around the turn. And I know that that's not a good thing. And I know he missed some time from being uh, sick. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be against him in this spot slightly. I'm going to use him defensively, but I'm going to go to home cooking uh, as my lone A in here. I, I, he pressed a fast pace last time um, in the in the uh, the grade one and uh, he he's going to get the lead I mean if he doesn't get the lead he's going to be sitting right off hunting Coco and um, his last work was fantastic I loved what I saw and I think he's going to get a cozy trip if something weird happens that the, the rail horse naughty Lottie does try to put some heat on him early or, uh, you know, does make it uncomfortable for him. I want to back up definitely with ice dancing. I think he was too close to that fast pace last time. And, you know, Mandela said in his first start, he was giving him a race and then admitted he was too close to that fast pace um, in his last race. So I think that uh, if, if it heats up, I think he's the one that comes running. So home cooking's my A, ice dancing is my B. Uh, I will use just speak defensively if I go to C's um, and then tell me no more lies. Who's the second choice I'm against. He got a perfect setup in that race. Um, And so stretching out, 
I think home cooking is worlds better than him, and there's no reason for me to have him on my tickets. All right, fair enough. Got to take a stand somewhere, and and, uh, that analysis sounds very shrewd for those two-year-old fillies in the chandelier. Let's talk about race number seven. We've got a starter allowance going six furlongs on the turf. How are we going to keep this thing going? Uh, So I think the pace is going to be pretty wicked in here. I am going to play... multi-platinum the three as the speed of the speed with the blinkers on for speed miati um i'm going to use the rail horse the favorite uncle jeff because i think um he's probably the best closer in a in a in a race where the pace is most likely going to heat up and then i'm also going to use missed call the four as an a uh that last race and you don't see this all that often. It wasn't coded blue on time form, and it was an upline race where each pace call was faster than the previous one. And, and uh, he also dueled from the, from the rail in that race. So I do, I do like the four uh, missed call as an A also. I think that um, his first race back on June 3rd was a, was a really nice race. He looked great finishing that race. Um, and then... And, and Maldonado gets back on that second race on June 17th. He had nowhere to go in the stretch. And so I think him getting a cozy trip off the pace in a pace that should be heated up. I'm, I'm looking for the four to be on my tickets as an A also. So one, three, four are my A's. And then I'll back up with um, the nine for giving spirit, who's a bigger price than I thought he would be uh, eight to one. I, I don't know if you'll get eight to one, but uh, I have to put him on my tickets. And then the 10 is going to be on my tickets also. If um, if the 11 Detroit City doesn't press the pace, and I find that probably unlikely, given that Jack Sisterson has a has another horse in here is going to be way far back early. Uh, I, I think I think some team tactics may be employed here, and I think uh, he'll heat the he'll heat the pace up. But if he doesn't, whose candy does have some races um, at the beginning of the year that would make him a player. And at 12 to one, I have to use him as a B and then uh, more for Doug O'Neill claimed him for 32 and is protecting them here. He's not in for the tag. And, you know, there's, there's no reason why he can't get back to the turf and show his best form. The numbers make him competitive and Raspoli, uh, you know, I don't have to tell you how good a turf rider he is. So um, the, the reason I didn't make him an A was because of uh, his post. Okay. Other than that, he would have been an A. So that's my analysis. One, three, four A's, nine, 10 and 12 are B's. More grade one action. And we may have to pick up the pace here slightly just because I know you have a, a time concern. But more grade one action with these two-year-old Colts and the American Pharaoh. We're going a mile and a sixteenth on the dirt. We've got a field of eight, including the horse that would be the future uh, book favorite for the Kentucky Derby if such things existed in the form of Cave Rock. Are you with him or against him? I'm with him, Pete. This is, this is, we can, this is where we can make up some time. He's a lone <laughs> A. He's the, he's, he's the fastest horse. I, I, I don't see any reason to play against the national treasure with the blinkers off is going to stalk. I'm assuming uh, Baffert's third of, of four horses. He jazzy um, with Mike Smith aboard is going to stalk from the outside. And I think it's going to be one of those two, but um, I'll use, I'll use the eight as a B and Cave Rock is my lone A. I just think he's, He's too fast, and, and Baffert doesn't want him uh, and his other horses to get in his way. I totally get that. We've seen that movie before. Race number nine is an allowance race. We are on the turf, the downhill turf, going six and a half. Field of ten goes postward. What do you like in here? I like the number six, Gypsy King. I think he might be 
alone on the front. There is some other speed in here, um, but I think the two turn on the Jets is going to try to employ similar tactics from uh, his first race as a three-year-old. Um, the, the favorite, Rip City, I'm mostly against. He's going to be way back coming out of those uh, two-turn races. And so I, I'm, I'm against Rip City. Um, I think Gypsy King might get a cozy trip on the front end. I'm also going to use the nine chase in money. Uh, he comes out of two really good races where he had difficult trips in both. And that last race, the green flash, notice some of those horses came back and ran in the, in the Eddie B down the hill last week. So that's good form. And he ran with them. He had a, he had a really tough trip that day. And so there's no reason uh, outside draw going six and a half down the hill that uh, he can't, he can't make the running. And I think it's a, a big turf upgrade. Anytime I can, I can uh, fade a horse. Uh, any, anytime I can use a horse that Cedillo rode him on the turf in his last, he's got, he's a big dirt turf split guy. And uh, so Mike Smith uh, taking the reins is, is a big upgrade on the turf for me. I think those are great points. Really like the way you talked about that race. And I really like both of those selections. Obviously, we love Rip City around here for our man, Billy Koch. But I take your point. Might be have a, a lot of work to do. A horse that's a closer in routes on that cutback without too much of an abundance of speed. I definitely take your points for the six and nine in race number nine, which brings us to our nightcap. We've got a three and up allowance. We're going a mile and an eighth on the turf and a field of 10. I ask you the key question, my friend. How are we going to get paid? Ooh, this one's a doozy, Pete. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna play the two to be the speed of the race. Uh, Bally's Charm, I think twelve to one. There's no chance that we get him. I've hoped for four to six to one. He's gonna be he's gonna be an A for me. He was a he had a big gallop out in his last and and may have needed that race. Um, I'm also gonna use first Primero as an A who got who had a bunch of trouble um, in his first race as an eight year old uh, off of a long layoff. He's going to get a nice cozy trip inside, stalking the pace. I'm going to use him as an A. And then I'm going to use perfect flight for Peter Miller as an A. I love that first turf race on August 7th. Watching it, it, it looked like he will love every inch of the mile and an eighth. Um, he, he ran it as a two-year-old, um, just got beaten in NACA. I think he's going to love the mile and an eighth. And he showed speed in his dirt races. But if you look at the line on that turf race, um, he was off the pace in that race. He was he was uh, six of six at the first call. I don't think he's going to put much pressure on Bally's Charm. I think Bally's Charm may get loose in this race, and if he does, he will be tough. I'm going to use the two, the three, and the four as A's, and then the favorite, um, Hawk of War, seven to two on the morning line. I'll use him defensively as a B. Good luck claiming off of Mike Maker these days. Um, Hess is no slouch, but I had to downgrade him just slightly, um, taking uh, with Hess taking him from me. And then I'll use the nine as a B also. So two, three, and four as A's, five and nine as B's for me to get us paid in the last leg. <laughs> Tremendous stuff. Justin, thank you so much because no good deed goes unpunished around here. You'll be back soon. Your notebooks, they're appearing every day for In the Money Plus people. Honestly, I think the 15 bucks for the month is worth just that, but you're also getting all of our Keeneland analysis and our entire Breeders' Cup pass package. you got to do it, folks, if you don't already. InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash plus. Justin, we will see you again soon. I appreciate you, Pete. Thank you. 
That's going to do it for this edition of the show. We'll thank Justin and all the rest of today's guests. We'll thank our founding partners, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation and 10 Strike Racing. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you for listening, making these shows so much fun to do. Check out the YouTube video. We've got that little contest we mentioned before. JK giving away a shirt for somebody who can provide some information about New York bread pars. Uh, anyway, check the video or you heard it earlier in the show. Uh, put a comment on the YouTube video and, uh, and, and check that out in the money. Uh, media on YouTube is the best place to find that. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business managers, Drew Coatney, our chief creative officers, Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. Races just keep coming at Belmont at the Big A after seven graded stakes last weekend. We're going to be treated to six more this weekend. The headlining race of the weekend will be the grade one $500,000 Joe Hirsch Turf Classic, where we will see Warlike Goddess and Goofo Clash. Both horses are coming into the Hirsch Hot with Warlike Goddess taking home the crown in the Saratoga. Grade two Glens Falls and Goofo emerging victorious at the grade one Sword Dancer at the same historic Oval. Join JK and the Naira team as they bring you live racing expert analysis and picks for America's Day at the Races. Showtimes, go to InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash TV.